Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Something about those old ones sometimes, huh? That, that can get you. Um, even though there is none like you. How many of you guys grew up with that one in church? Yeah. You know your church folk when you know that one, right? Um, well, hey, uh, this is your first time here. Uh, my name is John Wagler. I'm part of this uh, Hill City team and just so grateful uh, that you decided to spend a portion of your Sunday here uh, with us as we are in this series um, called Just to Ask and uh, still waiting on our Gelati Celesti um, sponsorship, but they have not come through uh, thus far. But um, uh, we are in this series around uh, prayer and the, the purpose of this series is, is actually to get us not, uh, yes, to, to get us like some better disciplines within the context of prayer, um, but also I want us to understand the beauty of prayer, the nuance of prayer, the power of prayer, um, the reason why it's talked about uh, so much uh, in scripture. Um, the, sometimes it's, it's really easy to push prayer aside. Um, maybe it's because we're too busy or maybe because we, th- we think we don't need it or maybe it's just not a, a natural discipline in our lives. Yet, to actually follow Jesus and to actually do what he taught um, is to be people of prayer. And um, it's a deeply convicting thing when you, you start seeing something as simple as what prayer is. Prayer can look and feel so many different ways. It can be a time of solitude for a few minutes by yourselves. It can be a quick little you know, sentence that you just need to say in the moment to a longer time you just spend with God. Prayer can look like singing. Prayer can be in a group. Prayer can be as an individual. Prayer can be during a time like this on a Sunday. It can be in the morning. It can be in the night. Whenever, right? It's all this stuff to to prayer. And the availability for us to engage God properly comes through prayer. And so for us not to be people of prayer is to sit there and say then, I don't want to actually engage God like he's uh, allowing us to, which feels odd to say, doesn't it? As followers of Jesus, when we have this opportunity to engage the creator God and and we take the step and we're like, "Mm, I don't think so feels weird to actually admit that or say that or, or even feel that. And so we wanted to add some layers into our understanding uh, each week. And we'll have a few more weeks of this leading up to uh, Christmas. But um, this week, I, I want to talk about um, this one word that um, how prayer relates to that. Uh, and it's a word that uh, people get a little antsy about, right? And it's this word, um, justice. Um, that word... Uh, brings up a lot of different kinds of emotions uh, for different reasons and, and for different scenarios for folks. Um, here's what I know about prayer, though. You can't be a person of justice, true justice, without having a heart of prayer. Here's the thing about prayer, and, and listen, this term justice, I get it, it's been politicized and stuff and all that stuff, and like, but it's interesting when we talk about justice, when we take a step back, sometimes I think people get so fixated on that word woke that they neglect what they need to be awakened to. And then some people who are so enamored with progressiveness fail to realize how regressive that's actually made us in some ways. And so um, I believe that through a heart of prayer that we start being put into the right space when we start talking about justice. Um, when you think about justice and, and who God is, um, it is is part of who he is. So when I hear someone say like, hey, don't talk about justice issues, and I'm like, if you don't talk about justice issues, then you are not talking about Jesus. If you don't talk about Jesus, I mean, if you're talking about justice issues, then guess what? You aren't actually preaching the gospel. 
you have to dig into the realities of the justice issues that we see around us in all of its forms, from the big, right, macro conversation to the, to the little, like that might be happening in your neighborhood or your school. And, and so we, we have to engage these things and we have to talk about these things. It's a, it's a part of our faith. It's a part of who God is. Um, look at this in... I want to give you just a few examples of what this looks like. In Psalm 9:16, the Lord is known by his acts of what? Hmm. The wicked are ensnared by the work of their what? Isn't it interesting that we have it right in front of us that it says the people of God will be people of justice because God is a God of justice. The people who don't want to talk about justice and concentrate on what they're doing with their own work of their hands, the Bible says that they're what? wicked. Hmm. We don't talk about that very often, do we? Another verse is Psalm 89. It says, righteousness and what are the what? Foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Jesus even says it this way in Matthew 5. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and righteousness and justice can be interchanged as words for they will be filled. So it means that if you don't live to have a heart that is designed and oriented towards justice, then you'll never be filled. A heart for people, you'll, you'll never be filled. Matthew 5, 9, and this is Jesus talking about what the kingdom looks like, right? And, and, and this is, he's like, man, I'm telling you guys, like this is the kingdom. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, and peacemakers are people engaged in justice issues, for they will be called What? Just say it. Children of God. So if we're not engaged as being peacemakers, again, micro level and macro level, if we're not engaged in this, guess what we can't be called then? Wow. It's a pretty big deal then, huh? To maybe engage this on a little deeper level. And what we start seeing quite often is that prayer and justice are, are interlinked. Um, all throughout scripture, prayer, um, and how God responds to the people, uh, people's prayers um, are often linked in how they are engaged in justice in their cities. You see it this way um, in Amos 5.12. It's this interesting, I was, I was reading through um, the whole book, I read it through a couple of times this week, and um, Amos is aggressive, <laughs> okay? Um, but there's some interesting things in there, and, and he says this, um, God's saying, for I know how many, of you, uh, how many are your offenses and how great your sins. There are those who oppress the innocent and take bribes and deprive the poor of justice in the courts. This is God speaking to God's people and he's like, listen, I know what you're doing. I see it. And here's what's happening. You're creating all this classism stuff and this favoritism and you're, and you're, and you're stepping in and, and the people that actually need justice, you're actually, you're, you're actually backing away from it and wanting no part of it. And then in, in the points where they can actually maybe get some justice, you're actually contributing to a system that actually hurts people even more. And Amos, what he ends up saying and what God ends up saying is like, I don't hear your prayers. I don't hear them. You can pray, but they're empty to me because guess what? You aren't engaged in the things that actually bring peace to the people around you that are hurting and that are suffering and are in pain. 
Another one in Malachi 3, it says this, so I will come to put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, perjurers, against those, this is God speaking, against those who defraud laborers for their wages. Huh. Underpaying your people. God's like, not him with that. He's like, who oppressed the widows and the fatherless, being setting up systems that hurt people, um, and deprive foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me says the Lord Almighty. He's like, man, here's what he knows. This is what God's saying. When the people who claim to know him actually aren't people of justice, he doesn't hear their cries or their prayers because their prayers are empty because they actually don't fear the Lord. And everything's just on their own and by the works of their own hands and what they want to actually cultivate. So then you start thinking, oh, man, this feels a little heavy with this idea of, of justice. And I started thinking about how um, historically, you know, you look through scripture and uh, from the beginning to end, you, be, you see like these words like shalom, which is just this idea of an overwhelming peace and, and, and well-being for everyone that they're around. Um, you've got justice, you've got righteousness, you've got holiness. So you, you've got like this, this, this theme that are all connected in what it actually means to follow Jesus. But in each spot, as we begin to read through scripture, prayer is always connected in each piece, every single time. That there's something in our prayers that um, initiate the right things in our hearts. That there's something in our prayers that allows us to connect to the heart of God when we actually open ourselves up in the right way. And so um, one of the ways I was thinking about this week was this. Prayer keeps our imagination intact so we don't get duped by the schemes of this world or our own self-deception. Is it possible to pray and still be self-deceived? <laughs> yeah, it is. Is it possible to pray and um, be duped by the world? Uh, yeah, it, it can be for a short period of time. For a short period of time. When we actually open up our hearts to be fully engaged with the realities of who Jesus is in our lives and the way the Spirit of God wants to work in our lives and we become people of prayer, I promise you he will start chipping away at you. Little by little by little, till all of a sudden you don't recognize yourself anymore in a good way. Because rather than being discipled by the things around us, we're being discipled by the thing that should be in us, in the spirit of God. And it changes everything. It changes everything. Um, and so some of these questions I, I wrote down this week in preparation were this. If God answered every one of my prayers, whose life would change? You see, you think about it in that way, you're like, man, if God said yes, and yes, and yes, and yes, would it be just like, look at wags? Whose life would change? If God answered every one of my prayers, would justice happen in our city? If God answered every one of my prayers, what would happen to those who disagree with me? And I wonder what your answers would be. If you think about it for a second, I mean, would, would justice, as it says in Amos, like roll through this city? If God answered every one of our prayers. And I started thinking about this and I realized um, I have prayed for justice in our city, but I don't do it every day. I realized that. And I started thinking to myself, I was like, man, that's got to be a deeper heart of my prayers every single day. And... Um, and you realize that shouldn't God's people be the first praying for justice for our city? 
And if we can say, like, if the answer to that question is, like, mm, there wouldn't actually be any justice in our city because I don't ever pray for it, then, like, what does that, re- that reveals something about your heart. It reveals something about it. And it's kind of coming out in our prayers. There's some other questions that I wrote down. How about this? If what we say is a window into our hearts, then what are our prayers aligned with, Jesus or me? You know, Jesus talks about this in Matthew. He says, the words that come out of our mouths, are, are, where do they come from? What's in our hearts? And so when we pray, guess what's coming out? What's actually in our hearts? So if you only pray about yourself and what you need, then I would say probably you're a lot about yourself. Or how about this? If my prayer life doesn't redirect my steps, then I, am I actually engaging God at all? And we start seeing, like, man, the prayer should, should enact something in us. And if our prayer doesn't move us, then we're probably just talking and not listening. Is the biggest obstacle to my prayer life simply comfort? This is one of the biggest things in, you know, um, obviously Western churches is the idea of comfort. And, and you realize, like, man, if I'm always comfortable, or if I'm always praying for comfort, how many of you guys prayed for suffering this week? Yeah, right, no one does that, right? And I'm not saying that we need to pray for suffering or need to pray for uh, persecution, though all of those things actually are shaping us to be deeper with Jesus. But man, you think about how much we're enamored with comfort. Is is comfort a bad thing? No, I'm not saying comfort's a bad thing. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. Um, if you're in like a sweet season of life, I'm not saying, man, I hope hell comes at you. Like, no, it's like, comfort could be like a good season, could be a good season. But man, in our heart, like what, what's shaping everything around us? And so I want to um, highlight just three quick things about what might be impacting our prayers um, and why they aren't oriented towards justice and why our hearts aren't oriented towards uh, justice. And the first thing is this that our prayers aren't oriented to hear from God. There are times for us to talk with God so he can hear from us. I'm doing, like, you should never, if you're a speaker, never do a point that long on your your title point. But I think sometimes we pray to hear ourselves talk, not to hear from God. Because when you take a step back and you're like, no, 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 I just... I want to actually hear from God. And sometimes I get it. Like if, if maybe prayer um, is new to you, you might be thinking, you mean I get to hear a voice from God? And, and listen, y'all, sometimes people say, like, I heard God say and you didn't. Like you heard yourself say it, right? You may have like changed your accent or something. Like I talked a little deeper and I feel like I heard God say. But I'm telling you, like what you'll start to experience is like, man, the spirit of God just starts to move you. And you sense it, and it's like, man, God's like speaking to my heart on this. Now listen, how do you know God's speaking to your heart on something? It's like, well, first of all, it lines up with scripture. Second of all, it brings you to a wisdom of truth of who God is. And third of all, people who are also followers of Christ would also like um, essentially resonate and uh, agree with what God might be pushing you towards. We did college ministry for years and high school ministry for years, and um, we'd always hear this one. I feel like God would, like, wants me to date him, like, no one agrees with you, right? Like, but God miraculously is like, mm, that'd be a great option for you, right? And so it's being careful about like, again, what we're associating to God. However, like, man, if, I, if I'm approaching with a posture of wanting to hear from God, 
things begin to change. Jesus actually t- t- uh, teaches like this in Matthew 6. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the street corners, and to be what? Seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full, meaning all they wanted to do is be seen by others, as if like they're really spiritual, and they're getting what they want because people are seeing them. They aren't actually getting to God, and I think we miss out on like actually hearing from God. Listen, if you're into um, trying to discover what prayer is, don't worry about what you're saying. Um, Have you ever been with someone and you heard them pray and you're like, oh, they nailed it? Like they're like, they got the spiritual language down. They like, man, they must have this deep connection with God, and then later on you realize they're just a nightmare. It's not about what you say. Don't worry about phrasing. Don't worry about anything. Just like talk like who you are. Don't all of a sudden try and talk in some weird biblical language that you don't talk like in normal everyday life, okay? Just talk like you talk. Be, you know, but have a posture of like, I just want to hear from you. And, and yeah, you, we, we talk and we can petition from God. I, I get all that. But like, you know, my posture is I just want to be with you like as I am. If you're angry that day, be angry. If you're frustrated that day, be frustrated. But like, I just want to be right where I am, right, right here, with it, and, I, and I just want to be, have a posture to hear from you. I don't, want to, I don't want to get up and try and act like, hey, I don't want to post that I, I, I prayed for 17 minutes today, guys. Who cares? Right? Just, no, just have the posture to just be, I just want to be with God. I just want to be with God. That's the heart of what we're doing. Uh, a second thing that I think impacts us is uh, we don't appreciate the cosmic significance of prayer, and we don't appreciate the cosmic significance of what's going on around us. Um, we, belitt- we belittle this way too much. Um, Ephesians uh, 6, this guy named Paul, who uh, he was one of the early church fathers, wrote um, a large chunk of our New Testament and our Bibles. And he would write these letters to the churches. And, um, and the, he wrote this one letter um, to the church at Ephesus. And uh, that church would have been, actually, that letter would have been given to a lot of different cities, not just that one. But he says this um, in Ephesians 6. He says that, to put on the full armor of God so that you could take your stand against the what? Devil's schemes. I know we don't like to talk about this sometimes, but I just want to give you a little cosmic reality of things. I, listen, if you were to tell me, hey, like, what do you love most about the Bible? Um, they're the, the Jesus things I like. I like how it's written and hyperlinked. But I honestly, like, I love the Proverbs, like, a ton, because I'm more of, like, a very practical, like, something's wise and something's foolish, right? So for me, I like to read those things and be like, am I being wise or am I being an idiot? And I like that kind of like coming back at me personally, all right? But if you stay in that realm too much, you're going to miss out on the cosmic stuff that's happening around us. And so sometimes y'all might like love the cosmic stuff a little too much. Like every time you trip, you're like, ah, the devil got me again. It's like, <laughs> you're just clumsy. Like that's just what happens, right? Like it's so, so, but there is something going on. And Paul's saying, listen, you got to be aware of like how we take a stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
So understand what he's saying here. And I'm going to show you how it ties into justice in just a second. But he's saying these dark powers, the way that they work, the way that they're scheming and everything, it's like it is systematic in nature. It's by the systems. When he's talking about rulers and authorities in that spot, he's not talking about God's up here. He gets to the heavenly realms part, that there's something going on there. But he's saying that in the, in the systems, systems, that this is where the scheming happens. That this is how the devil tries to coerce and accuse and, and divide. And in the systems, a lot of times when people talk about, we don't want to talk about systems, we want to talk about like the individual. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Individuals are part of a system. I get that. And that's part of the deal and you got you to work through that stuff. But you also have to recognize the reality of systems. He says this later on. He says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. He's like, let me clue you guys in. There, there are these things going on cosmically and things that are happening in just the spiritual world. Um, you have to be aware of that reality and be people of prayer to engage it properly. Otherwise, you'll fall victim to um, what's happening around us. So when you think about systems and um, you think about what uh, we're engaged in, um, what Paul's saying here is the system he's talking about in that case was actually Rome, okay? Um, it was the system of Rome and how they treated people and how um, they were going about all of it. But he would say, if you kind of look through scripture, every single empire ever is part of the systems that are being affected and impacted by the realities of the devil's schemes. Yes, there are individuals in the systems, but the easiest way to perpetuate an injustice is to work through the system in general that gets set up. And so to be a heart of justice, and Paul's like, you've got to pray against these things because I'm telling you, you get duped really easy. Um, there's this really cool passage in Daniel chapter 10. It talks about how, um, uh, so Daniel's a part of the political system. It's actually Daniel, I think, is, when people say, like, should we be involved in politics? I would say, yeah, Daniel is your model. Daniel's the model. There's no doubt. So I'm not saying to not be involved in politics. I'm like, no, Daniel is the model. Um, there's this really interesting passage in Dan chapter 10. Some of you guys might be like, well, this is a weird passage. I'm like, yeah, I know it's weird, but I want to show you just like the cosmic realities that the Bible talks about. It says that um, Daniel's praying at one point and it talks about this the angel Michael comes to him. He's like, hey, I heard your prayers and I would have been here 21 days ago, but man, something was stopping me from getting here. So it's like, man, there's something else that's going on around all of this. Yes, we have individual choices and all of that stuff, but there's also a cosmic and spiritual reality that we have to engage. What Paul says is the way that we engage that is through prayer. That prayer becomes what drives everything. And when you think about the dark world, he's saying, I mean, the systems of this world. Now, it's easy to think about other people's systems, right? Like, it's like the systems of this world, you may be thinking, yep, China. Wow, man. Devil's playground, Right? Or Russia, it's, it's easy to just go, like it's always the other. I remember hearing a missionary that said that um, when, uh, whenever anyone in his country was, was reading this, he was part of the Middle East, he's like, whenever anyone read uh, Ephesians 6, that, uh, that they always thought it was America. So it's always easy to choose the other, right? But let's just be honest for a second. Where do we live? America, good job. 
All right, we're in America. You are a part of the system of America. Here's what we've seen in the history of our system, right? I will not, I, I will, there's no denying the Christian's impact on our system, right? And a lot of good in it too. Um, a lot of the things that are, are really good about our country are honestly directly related to the reality of Christian influence. From the people who signed the, you know, the early documents to um, some of the ways in the culture of that like we have in our, in our country that other places don't have. Like it is a direct result of the reality of Christian's influence. There is no question about that. But you also can't deny the reality of the devil's schemes and another piece of it. And we begin to see, like, you, you take the, um, our country was built off of the backs of, of black folks in our country. Was, the, was built off of, you think about coming in, what they did to indigenous people and coming in. There's nothing Christian about that. There's nothing following Jesus about that. And we can deny it all you want to, or you can say it doesn't impact now, but it does. It set up a pattern. It set up a way of life. It set up things in such a way for generations to come. And how do you interrupt that? And we see it systematic. You see it in the financial systems, educational systems. You see it in the banking systems. You see it in the political systems. You see it in all the systems, the reality of the devil's schemes and sin being part of everything, Right? And so what do you do? Well, Paul says, like, no, we've become people of prayer that move to action, so we are part of the justice movement. Some of the greatest movements that we've seen in our country um, started with prayer. You know why? Because what systems try to do is dampen the cries of people that are hurting. What Jesus tries to do and is evidence of is that he hears those cries and wants his people to actually also follow, hear the cries, and engage. See, the beauty of Jesus is, one of the beauties of Jesus is, is like we see that through his death and resurrection, it's like he hears the cries of those in need and steps in and does something about it. And then he expects the people that follow him to do the same. And it's uncomfortable. And sometimes you've got to deal with different things that you don't want to talk about and all of that stuff. And I get it. But what we start with is prayer and we move and that prayer moves us into action because we see the reality of the cosmic significance around us. So often you hear people say something like this, like we want to build God's kingdom. God already built his kingdom. What we're supposed to do is to reveal his kingdom by the way that we live. And it starts with a posture of prayer and humility that allows us to see that None of us in this room get it 100% right. But man, this prayer and this posture moves us in a direction that's like, I want to be a part of being a peacemaker to be a child of God. I want to hunger and thirst for righteousness so I will be filled. I want to be someone who engages the world around me and whatever that might be. It might be big, it might be small, it might be in your neighborhood, it might be in your city, whatever it is. But you engage in such a way, you have a heart for those that are hurting Oppressed. And for those that um, have been through injustices, your, 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 your posture isn't to say what's right. Your posture is to hear what has been wrong and how do you begin to engage that? And it comes through prayer. Now I realize like even in some of those things when we talk about systems, there's families involved and jobs involved. And I, knew, I get all the nuance and complication. I'm just talking about the heart. Here's the third and the last thing. 
why our prayers don't lead us to active engagement. We don't know what Jesus said or don't take what he said serious enough. For some folks in the room, you never engage what Jesus taught, and that's okay. You have, there's no reason you should know what he taught. Some of you guys have been in church for decades or for a long period of time, and we just neglect what Jesus actually taught. It's so simple sometimes, and, and we just, we miss it. And... Um, we're so impacted by the world around us that we miss the heart of what Jesus is actually speaking into. He does it in an interesting way in, in Mark 11. He's reaching Jerusalem. He says, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out. Some of you guys may have heard this story before. Everyone who, who likes to um, get angry <laughs> likes this, this passage, right? Like, Driving out those who were buying and selling there, he overturned the tables of money changers and the benches of, of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise to the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of Allah heard this and began looking for a way to kill him. These chief, okay, the chief priests and leaders of Allah, they're, they're religious folks, Okay looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. Jesus was doing something just fascinating. Um, he was flipping the table because the temple was supposed to be the place that people were supposed to pray and engage God and to worship him. And he's flipping the tables because the area that, that these people set up this little marketplace in was a place that was specifically designed for Gentiles who are not part of God's chosen people, for Gentiles to come in and be able to worship and encounter the presence of God. And the religious leaders at the time, the religious people actually created it to then be a place where they could sell things and take people's money. And Jesus is like, hold on a second. You're building up a wall of injustice because here's what you're doing. You're, you're not allowing people to experience me. And then what you're actually doing is flipping the whole thing around in the place that is supposed to be a place of prayer, a place where people encounter the presence of Jesus, the, the, the place where, where people are supposed to encounter the realities of who they are and how God sees them. You've decided to make it a marketplace and take people's money. So Jesus comes in and he's like, I'm gonna flip all this stuff because you can't do that. <laughs> How dare you turn my house into a place that hurts people? Now, later on, um, Paul, he actually writes this. He says that, um, that we are all um, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so there is no physical temple. In this case, he's saying that like all of us together represent the temple. So how dare you turn the temple into something that could hurt anyone? Church, how dare you not be people of action and justice? How dare you sit idly by? How dare you do that? See, Jesus wants to flip that upside down because prayer, this is how it starts with prayer, Prayer awakens us to the heart of Jesus. We start seeing this in 
a lot of different ways, but the challenge for us um, in our prayer is, think about this, uh, the, the world around us that we see, there's a lot of chaos, there's a lot of mess, there's a lot of political stuff going on in the systems around us. Is it more Christ-like to choose a side or to engage, engage scripture and engage prayer and see how God wants us to move? Yeah, clearly the second, right? And so here's my challenge. I'm not, I'm not making any kind of political statement today. I'm just, I want us as a community to have such a deep-rooted heart in prayer that, um, we're gonna sing Defender here in just a second. We realize that God is the defender of all, but, but that our role as a community, part of our role in this city is to be people of prayer that have a heart for justice in our city. We begin to, to look around and, and see and, and listen, and I can't stress this part enough. If prayer is an act of humility, it enables us to listen to the cries of those that are hurting and in pain and have suffered injustices. And that should be our posture. Laura, you can come up. That should be our posture. I get it, like the discussion of all <laughs> angles to a topic. But I'm just talking about like heart. The heart to actually be a grouping of people that would start with prayer first and prayer together. To start in such a way that we want to engage and, and be aware of not only um, what ails our city, but be actually soft to the cosmic influence that's in our city. I want to end with this um, story because uh, I've shared it before and, um, and the reason why I, I just want to like end with this is because uh, Matt and I did a prayer walk. Matt's our care pastor and um, when everything was happening in our city and you know they were protesting and riots and everything and we were walking throughout our city and um, listen, at the, at the heart of racism is, is simply sin and evil. Like, you know, and it's got a stronghold in our city because our, our city was you know, one of the founders of it in our country. And when you try and uproot something that God, this is what God's kingdom does, it, it uproots the systems, right? And so um, cosmically, like it's not going to go quietly. And so um, we were just on a prayer walk and it was at kind of the height of everything. And, and so we're just walking through the city. And I'm not, I don't say this part lightly. Um, you guys have been around long enough, you know. But the level of darkness and the feeling that we both felt on that walk throughout a core part of our city was, was borderline overwhelming. I mean, we, 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 we talked about it this week and, and, and I said, Matt, wasn't that so crazy? And he was like, ugh. <laughs> so we cannot ignore the realities of what we're in and what is going on. 
But man, y'all, like, <laughs> we've got to be people of prayer that want to engage this. The injustices that we're around and what we see and, and um, that our posture is such that we're like, God, we understand that you are the defender of all. But man, those that follow him should be revealing his kingdom and representing the defender. We represent the defender of all. And so I want you to just bow your heads for a second and we're going to sing another song and I just want you to process a little bit. Um, maybe it's realizing that you know your heart has not been oriented towards justice and maybe your prayers aren't moving you to action or something. Maybe anything that God's just kind of tugging on your heart about. God, may we never be a a people that sits idly by. May our prayers move us to action. May our prayers move us to be people of justice. May our prayers move us to your heart. Not to any side, but to your heart. And God, that... um, You are the great defender, God, but, but God, that the way that we engage our city and our neighborhood and our schools and our workplaces, and the way that we live actually reveals that you are the defender. The way that we live and the way that we think, the way that we talk, is that our hearts are oriented towards you and reveal your kingdom. Please stand and sing this last song with us.